In decentralized finance, a liquidity pool is a collection of cryptocurrency funds created from the deposits of many users and usually multiple different currencies. There are two main types of pools, custodial and non-custodial. Custodial pools are controlled by a third-party manager, which contains information like the private keys and the funds. They are most commonly web-based. Non-custodial pools mean that each contributor has complete control of their private keys or their funds, and they're often browser-based or keys can be stored and funds traded using hardware devices. Aave is a trusted, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity pool on Ethereum. Participants use Aave to either deposit or borrow funds. Depositors earn interest on their funds in the same currency they deposited, USDUSD, DAI-DAI, etc. When demand is high for the deposited currency, the earned interest increases automatically. Borrowers deposit collateral and then borrow from any currency in the protocol. The entire platform, from API to smart contract, is open source and reviewable by anyone. This has been the basis for many platform audits, providing high reliability to users and enabling integration into other services and products. In this episode, we talk with Ernesto Boado, a full-stack and blockchain developer currently co-leading the development of the Aave protocol. We discuss DeFi, token economics, and how Aave tokens make their service unique. Ernesto, welcome to the show. Thanks. Today we're talking about Aave and lending. Let's start by talking about lending in the traditional world. Could you explain how traditional lending works in the centralized monetary system? Yeah, uh, well, maybe a bit of introduction of like how, how AVE works and, and like the lending system in, in AVE works is that the lending in AVE is uh, what is called over-collateralized lending, meaning that you need to put a certain type of assets, which value is, is bigger of what you want to borrow uh, against. No? This in, in traditional finance, this is called like sometimes Lombard loans, and usually it's like not so typical for a normal person to, to do these kind of loans, but the nature of, of the centralized finance makes it quite easy. So, so yeah, basically that, that is the main idea that you do you deposit some, some assets that have some value and you can borrow a percentage of, of those assets. So this is how lending works in the traditional world as well? Yeah, at least this, this typical, uh, this case of, of lending that we, we have in Aave. Of course, like in, in traditional world, you have some other types of lending, like when, I don't know, like normal people goes to a, to a bank, usually what they present is certain kind of uh, credit profile that is already built on the financial system uh, based on, I don't know, previous repayments of, of loans, based also on the salary that a person has or, or things uh, similar to that. And what that creates is that they can they can just borrow money, but without actually having so much assets backing the backing the loan. But what they have at the end of the day is like their identity, let's say, that is formed by everything else that I, I mentioned before. That is like the most typical loan in, in traditional finance. And yeah, what I explained is more like what is easy to do on the centralized finance in a really like permissionless way. Because uh, that way you don't need to to connect like systems of the real world, like for example the identity or credit profiles that you have. You need some other entities behind behind of those. So yeah. Can you emphasize why a loan needs collateral? Because if I think about it, like if I have some amount of money, why am I putting up that money? 
to borrow more money? Why wouldn't I just use the money that I have in the first place? Okay, yeah, yeah, that is a like, quite classical question. Like, uh, basically, the idea is that imagine that you have a uh, Bitcoin. Huh? Bitcoin is is an asset, and you don't want to sell your Bitcoin. But at the same time, you, you have some, some bills in, in real life. You don't want to sell your Bitcoin because you believe like in the idea of Bitcoin and, and probably like you think that even the value of Bitcoin is going to go up in the future. But you need to pay some bills, uh, like in, in, let's say, in the normal world. No? So at that point, like, like you say, you have the option that you, you can just take your Bitcoin, sell it and, and pay whatever you need to, to pay. But uh, the alternative is like the over-collateralized loan. And what you do in that case is that you pledge your Bitcoin in a platform like, like Aave and you can borrow against that, for example, a stablecoin like USDC or, or DAI or USDT. And then, of course, like uh, you can take that stablecoin, uh, go into a fiat exchange and change it to dollars and then pay and pay your bills. That would be a like really classical use case. It's kind of similar of... of if you have a real estate asset in, in the traditional world and like a house and you need, uh, you need cash and you need liquidity to, to pay something, but you don't want to sell your house. So what you can do at that point is that you can uh, like entering a, in an agreement of a mortgage and like getting some, some amount, usually it's a percentage of the value of the house and use that money at the same time that the house is, is like backing that loan. And of course, depends that you, you need to pay back your loan if you want to completely release like your rights over the house. In the case of, of the decentralized finance or like Aave, it's exactly the same, but with, with digital assets. If that explains a bit better. Okay, so what are the problems with the centralized lending system? Well, one of the problems of the centralized lending system is that is, there is censorship. And also there are a lot of uh, operative problems uh, in the sense that if I want to take a loan, the process of taking a loan is most probably going, going to a bank, submit an application uh, with them, like for them to analyze if I'm a, a person that has the, the right assets to, to back my loan or even if my, my credit profile is correct. That involves that the bank will need to talk with uh, other entities, like, for example, uh, an agency of, of that uh, deals with credit profiles. They will receive the information. Then there will be a, like a, a team within the bank that will uh, analyze the risk where they can categorize me within the risk of, uh, of the bank itself. And then they will need to communicate me that uh, I can take a loan. I will need to go probably to the bank again to confirm the loan, taking the, the money and then proceed with the repayments, with, which is also uh, quite bothersome in the sense that I, I will need to have some repayment schedule, I will need to, to send, send the money to the bank or maybe submit uh, some kind of form on every repayment, it depends. So what I'm trying to, to, to picture is that it's not so straightforward uh, process. But in the case, in the case of, of the centralized finance, it's, it's completely different. Because and if you have, let's say, to put a realistic example, uh, Ether, Ethereum, you only need a wallet with the Ether uh, on your wallet. You go to, to, a, to a client application from your laptop, like Apple. You submit a transaction to deposit your, your collateral, in this case, the Ether. And then you only need to submit another transaction to borrow whatever amount you, you need of uh, stable coin. 
So only because of that is, is a, already a big, big advantage in terms of experience of the user, because it's just the lap, a laptop away, <laughs> uh, taking a loan and, and, and creation of maybe a wallet without going to anywhere, like uh, depending on, on a bank and, and so on. That is part of the advantage. And uh, of course, like what I mentioned, that is, there is no censorship uh, capabilities because uh, being a decentralized system that is running on the Ethereum blockchain uh, at the moment, anybody can access to it if it has a wallet. And uh, like the, the evaluation, if somebody is worth it of receiving a loan or, or, or not, is, is algorithmic in software. So if you have assets uh, that has a value, uh, automatically you have uh, like some kind of allowance, let's say, of, of, of taking a loan. And it's based on mathematics. It's not based on, on anybody saying that Jeffrey Meyerson uh, deserves to take a loan or not because the history is uh, X or Y. I would say that is the main point of uh, the main advantage of the cent of loans in decentralized finance compared with with tradition the traditional world. Yeah. So, what gave you the idea to start Ave? Well, Ave started before it had a different name. It was called uh, Ethland, uh, also related with uh, with lending. And the idea started in, in 2000, I think late 2016, when our, our founder and, and the current CEO, Stani, well, came with, with, with this idea of that it could be really cool to, to create a, a lending system based on the Ethereum blockchain that, to connect people to take loans. At that point, the idea was uh, like what is called P2P. You know? So the idea was, I have funds that I can put as collateral. You have uh, funds that you can lend out. So let's find a system that back in the days was, was Ethland that will put us in contact and will create like an agreement based on software and on smart contracts on Ethereum that will determine all the rules related with the loan agreement. So like installments of repayment, over collateralization, potential liquidation if I don't repay and, and so on. At some point, like the, that idea evolved in what it is Aave right now. Uh, mainly because this idea of P2P is not completely scalable in some cases, as pairing people uh, person to person is a bit more difficult than if you have a system like it is Aave right now. So Aave right now is like a pool where everybody deposits their assets there and then they can just use it as collateral at the same time that they are also lending it out for, for other people that needs, uh, that needs capital. So I think, yeah, the idea was appeared mainly to, to connect people like financially in a, like a seamless way and, and using the like, like quite disruptive technology at the time it was Ethereum. And then the idea just evolved a bit more sophisticated way to, to even connect more people at the same time and in a more seamless way and create different use cases. Yeah, that is a bit of a, of a summary. How is Ave being used today? It's an interesting question, like because Ave is using, I would say, quite a lot of ways. Being a pool, uh, like I explained before, uh, gives possibilities to abstract a lot of the complexity of the system that is behind the scenes to, in a way that is really easy, explainable for, for everybody. So, for example, one of the main use cases, or potentially the main use case, is that uh, people can that has stable coins or people that has ether 
or any asset that they gets usually borrowed out to use by some other by some other people can just deposit their assets on on, on the AVE protocol and they immediately start uh, earning interest. So what AVE allows in, in that case is that instead of just having I don't know one thousand dollars in the bank, like uh, sometimes not even earning anything, you are just like one click away or maybe two two or three clicks away of just putting your $1,000, if they are in a stable coin, put it in on Aave and, and getting interest of, I don't know, maybe 5%, maybe even 10% a year, which is nothing comparable to what traditional finance can, can offer at the moment. That is one of the main use cases and, let's say, the, the, the simplest, because it's like just a person that has some savings and, uh, and wants to put them to, let's say, work and getting interest. Then, of course, you have more sophisticated use cases that are the ones that that are the, potentially the most interesting. That is that people that just get a loan, gets a, wants a loan, so they deposit the, the collateral and then they, they borrow against. For what they do it usually, there there is a lot of variation. Like in some cases, they use it for what it was originally designed, the system, which is basically that you borrow stable coins and, and you, you pay something, sometimes in the real world, sometimes in the digital world. With, with those stable coins you borrowed out. Some others is, is to, to reinvest on something. I don't know, like you, for example, uh, trust in the token that you have as collateral, but you also want to buy some other token. And so, so you borrow a stable coin and you buy this other token. What else? All, all kinds of strategies in, in, in general, uh, like, like that one. Uh, especially with DeFi, that where everything is interconnected, is every day, like new, new use cases appear of... Uh, why to borrow against your collateral and yeah and what to do with it apart from that yeah i would say that those are the the two main use cases like people depositing to get interest and people borrowing to look for good opportunities out there of, of investment can you walk me through what happens when somebody uses ave what are the steps to taking out a loan yeah, sure. Okay, there are like these two scenarios, no? Uh, that, the ones that I mentioned just previously. That from one side, you don't need to take a loan to use Aave because Aave is what we call a liquidity protocol. Like it's just management of liquidity. So you can, the, the most simple use case is that you just deposit on Aave, not taking a loan. You are just depositing, and which factually means that you are potentially lending, the, lending out your funds to somebody else, and which is paying interest. So... In that case, the steps are really, really simple. It's, it's a matter of going to, to the, to the AVE client application, the website, eh, or to any other, any other platform that is connected to the AVE protocol, which are quite a lot at the moment. And you only need to submit one transaction, sometimes two transactions that will deposit your tokens on the AVE protocol, and immediately after, you will start earning interest from those tokens. The other use case that is the one that you specifically asked for is like how to borrow. So to borrow is like an extension of the previous step because you need to first deposit the asset, which uh, later on will be your collateral. So you, you deposit and once you deposit on your dashboard, you, you can see that uh, you have uh, some borrow capacity available to, to exercise. So you only need to do another extra transaction that is like the borrowing itself. 
that will will transfer from the Aave protocol the, the tokens that you borrow to, to your own wallet. So basically that is the the two two main like flows, let's say. And of course, uh, what happens afterwards is that you are taking a loan. So <laughs> of course you need to repay the loan at some point. You don't have any any kind of installment uh, defined as like that you need at certain point of time to repay. But of course, like the interest, your debt uh, is is accumulating on top of uh, of the principal you borrowed out. So in that sense, you, you at some point you will need to repay. And if that doesn't happen, is when what we call the liquidation appears. That basically is that your collateral that you have deposit needs to be sold to in order to repay your debt. But uh, that doesn't need to, to to happen at any point. I think that that explains the main yeah the main dynamics. Of course, there are some other use cases of the protocol, a bit more technical, but, but from the perspective of the normal user, those would be the, the steps. There's this term flash loan that is associated with decentralized finance. Can you explain what a flash loan is? Yeah. Sure. Flash loan is, is uh, one of those features that are not so user-faced, at least like initially. And uh, well, to explain the flash loans is, is, is important to understand how, how the Ethereum blockchain works and how the transactions work. So when you do a transaction on Ethereum, this transaction has what, what is called like uh, atomicity, other systems like databases. And what that means is that uh, or everything within the transaction gets executed correctly, or nothing gets executed, and uh, the transaction, all the state that was modified, gets uh, rolled back to the to the initial state. No? What this allows is uh, this. This is the main mechanism that allows uh, the existence of, of flash loans. What flash loans is a combination of of this feature with uh, the the economics and with the funds that are deposited within the um, the other protocol. How it works is that at the beginning of the transaction, let's imagine that I want, I'm a developer and I, I see a good opportunity to, to spend, I don't know, a big amount of money, let's say $10 million, for example, or $100 million. But of course, I don't have those kind of funds to use to, to take this opportunity. And this opportunity lasts only for, for one, one transaction. So basically, uh, I, I need to connect, uh, send funds to another system that is to another system and then move into another and so on, multiple steps. And I get a profit of doing that in, in simply one transaction. So the flash loans allow to, to source the capital that I need for that. Flash loans uh, is borrowing at the beginning of the transaction, a capital from, from the other protocol, do whatever I want with that capital, during one transaction, with the only condition that at the end of the transaction, I need to return the capital of the flash loan. This can look a bit a bit strange, like why there is an opportunity of doing anything uh, during during the time of one transaction that is uh, usually between 12 or 15 seconds. But the reality is that the centralized finance is really, really interconnected. And having, for example, exchanges opens to the possibility that sometimes there are like an equilibrium between different exchanges, for example, in price. And it's possible to do what is called arbitrage, that is basically using those an equilibrium to get to get a profit. So the flash loan is is like the main tool I would say that exists nowadays to to source capital to 
to get profit from those uh, those arbitrage opportunities out there. And uh, yeah, we we introduced it we introduced it in our first version of the protocol uh, back at the the beginning of 2020. And from there, like <laughs> it exploded a bit, and and, and everybody started using flash loans for for the good and for the bad, and it's a quite a quite successful like feature of the ecosystem. Yeah. How has the flash loan usage changed DeFi? I, I've I've read about some some kinds of attacks, or I don't know if you would call them attacks, thefts, maybe in the DeFi ecosystem that had to do with flash loans. Can you talk about how they can be potentially abused? Yeah, I mean, the flash loans, usually, they are not abused by themselves, or, but they allow, of course, to, to, do, to do abuses. Because one of the points of, let's say, attack of, on a lot of systems out there based on smart contracts is economical attacks, meaning that by moving in or moving out funds in a certain way to a smart contract is possible to to actually uh, to hurt the, the users of that smart contract so for example remove funds that belong to some somebody else or even like remove all the funds so uh, before flash loans the issue sometimes was that uh, you you needed capital to execute those attacks and what happens in in the world usually is that a lot of people doesn't have access to that capital so there was this this kind of also an equilibrium between uh, like who has the capital and who has the knowledge to actually uh, execute those kind of let's say exploits or, or or attacks using that capital. But with flash loans, what happened is that anybody can access a lot of capital because on the on the other protocol, for example, um, there are at the moment I think in the order of five billion in dollars in value deposited there. And basically, all of those can be used by anybody for the time of one transaction, if they return it at the end of the transaction. What that means is that if you have access to five billion, uh, like capital is not constrained anymore. If you only need one transaction, anybody can use it. And that created this this kind of of interesting situation, let's say social situation for me, that like everybody has. If you have knowledge. Capital is not a problem because you are just one transaction away of, of, of executing a flash loan and with it, like uh, exploiting some other system. This, of course, is, is, is not so good because, like, like you say, that there were multiple attacks uh, in the past two years involving flash loans. But in certain way, they are also good because it makes a stronger ecosystem. One of the main issues with, with DeFi is that as, as everybody can, can code smart contracts and can deploy smart contracts, of course, the quality sometimes is not uh, as, as high as expected and the standards of security as no, are not as high as expected because it's normal. So the flash loan also helped in a bit aggressive way, but it helped to show like how systems can be attackable sometimes and to not lead to other developers uh, after that to, to, to go in the same mistakes of design and to take more seriously security because previously people was not making so much attention or giving so much importance of, for example, having a really proper security procedures or, or like doing uh, periodic audits, uh, that kind of uh, security, security measures.
So if I want to execute a transaction that includes a flash loan, am I just writing a smart contract that includes a line of code that calls out to Ave and borrows some money? And then at the end of that smart contract, I just have to return the money? Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you write a smart contract that we call like the receiver of, of the flash loan. And then flash loan, you can initiate like you explained from that same smart contract at the beginning, like doing, like calling the other, the, the other smart contracts to, to, to start the flash loan. Or potentially you can also execute it from outside the smart contract. And this contract will just have the logic of what you want to do once you already like did the, the flash loan. Yeah. That is the, the way. So just just to drive this this point home a little bit further, why is it possible in the Ethereum ecosystem to have these flash loans that are implemented without collateral? The reason is that uh, like having atomicity and and knowing that if something goes wrong, uh, everything will go at the initial state. Why not using the like the, the funds that are stopped if for something if they are going to be returned at the same time? Take into account that, for example, in the other protocol, and I, I believe that that is the main reason of uh, one of the main reasons of, of, of the flash loans is that you need to pay still a fee when you do the, the flash loan. That fee is like is really really small because it's just a small percentage, or it's a zero point zero nine percent of what you were on the flash loan. And usually, what happens is that if you are doing a flash loan, is because you know that you are gonna get a profit. So for you, it's not a big problem to pay uh, to pay a fee in order to, to to pay the cost of capital, and 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 this is I mean this is uh, this is a key key point because it's another type of investment for for people that is depositing on on protocols like Aave. Like you deposit there, borrowers, normal borrowers, let's say, are paying you interest. But apart from that, like while the capital is not borrowed out and is just laying there in the smart contract, why not giving it uh, another extra usage? And this is basically the, the perfect usage for capital. Of course, because of how, how Ethereum works. Aave has a governance token. Can you describe the purpose of the Aave governance token? Yeah, of course. As you can imagine, like when <laughs> when you have a protocol that is that has like five billion dollars uh, there deposited, is quite important uh, all the permissions of the smart contracts of the system of that protocol. So the idea of the uh, uh, AVE governance is is like taking care of all those permissions in a decentralized way, which means that all AVE holders that that clearly have a, an interest on on the AVE protocol. The, it's their responsibility to manage, to manage, to manage the protocol, change parameters of configuration, check uh, that the economic economic parameters are, are are well configured all the time, or if, even if something happens and there is I don't know a bug on on the smart contracts in themselves, it's of course uh, their responsibility to patch that bug doing doing an, an, a potential upgrade in the smart contracts or in in any other way. So. That is the, the the main point of the Ave token, and is like having a, a way of representing uh, this kind of control on the Ave protocol. And apart from that, like the Ave token can be used in, in some other places. Like for example, we have this idea of the safety module, 
And that is some kind of system that if something happens uh, on the lending protocol, like for example, some funds, uh, some some fund, some loans are not repaid, and something goes wrong with the liquidation, so so the market has what is called a bit of being underwater uh, of loans that will never be repaid. The ABE token also can be used in this safety model, that which objective is is, is to rescue the system. Let's say if something of that nature happens at any point. So I will say that uh, yeah, that that is the reason of, of the ABE token and, and and the governance is like to protect the system and to actually govern the system, control the the system, which is yeah, in this case is the ABE protocol, but in the future potentially can be any other development uh, done by the like by the by the ABE community. Now that makes a lot of sense why you would have a a governance token, but. Why would people speculate on that token? Like the you know the price of of the token has gone up and down. Why is it a speculative instrument? I think I think that's a bit of tricky question because if you think about almost everything, like in this world, is kind of a speculative instrument. Especially like things like like currencies or or things like digital assets, where you have certain properties that are make them really prone to be speculative. For example, I don't know, ERC20 tokens like, like, like Aave or, or, or any other token out there is so easy to transfer from one place to, to the other. It's so easy to create new systems like exchanges or any kind of other system where you can use that token to, in some cases, uh, speculate. That is kind of understandable that like people speculate. <laughs> if you give the, the tools to speculate, people will speculate. Is the like the main usage, or should it be the main usage of the token? No, it sh- should not be. But uh, I suppose it it just happens. It just happens because, uh, of course, of usually of 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 the link that there is with the underlying uh, technologies and the underlying uh, funds uh, that are uh, like people understand as related. With the, with the power that that token has, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about interest rates. So lending obviously has interest rates associated with it. You know, if I if I borrow money from Ave, then I'm going to be paying a certain amount of interest on that loan. How is the the interest rate determined? Yeah, that is really important and really key uh, part of the protocol. Basically, how the protocol works is that um, let's use only one 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 asset, one token, let's use Ethereum. Uh, people deposit Ethereum and people with another mechanism borrow Ethereum. But all the people deposits on the same place, all the people uh, borrow from the same place. Which this creates is, is just a, like a big pool of funds uh, that are going in and going out all the time. So usually what happens is that you have a situation where you have, let's say, 1,000 ETH tokens, uh, Ethereum deposited there, and uh, let's say like 50% was borrowed out because people wanted to use Ethereum. So at that point, there is a situation of what we call a 50% utilization, which is basically the percentage of of funds that are borrowed out uh, respect to the total. So if, if a bit more will, will be borrowed out, it will be like 70% uh, utilization no? or less 20%. And what this creates is like is pure offer and demand. 
So like if a lot, if the utilization is really high, it means that people borrowed out almost everything. So uh, like the, the demand is really high and the, the offer is not so. So what we introduce in, with this system is that uh, you can define the interest rates in an algorithmic way. So what happens is that when the utilization is, is, is quite high, it means that there is a lot of demand. So because of demand defined in the, in the other protocol, like the, the borrow interest rate, the borrowers are paying high interest rate because there is not so much offer, there is a lot of demand, so it's kind of natural that the capital is expensive to borrow that. Then, if the situation will be the reverse, like there will be a lot of uh, funds available to borrow and almost nobody borrowing, the interest rate will be really low. That is on the borrow side, but uh, what happens with the, with the lenders, let's say, the depositors? No? What they receive is uh, basically a a split of the total interest that the borrowers are paying. So imagine if, if the borrowers are paying at 10% and the utilization is 50%, so only half is borrowed out, you still have all the depositors making the 100% of deposits that need to receive certain interest. So in that case, the 10% interest paid by the borrowers will reflect on being lower for the depositors, will be like, for example, 5% for each depositor. And that is how it works. Like it's completely variable and, and depending on, on, on that equilibrium of, of that, it, that creates the utilization. So when there is a lot of demand, borrowers pay, pay, pay high interest, depositors receive more interest. When there is a low demand, borrowers pay low interest and of course depositors receive lower interest than in the previous situation. I think that that is like a, yeah, how, how it works, the interest rate. We have the, um, this applies to, to our, what we call the variable rate, that is the, the most simplest one. And then there is another type of, uh, of system that we call a stable rate, which uh, basically allows to some kind of more stable rate over time because of basically paying more at the beginning. So people, if the variable rate is, let's say 5%, when somebody borrows, he could choose to pay a bit more, uh, like 7%. But he will be sure that over time it's quite possible that he will keep seven percent, even if the rate, the variable rate, goes above the seven, it goes to ten, for example. He will still be paying paying seven. Yeah, that I think those are the the, the main interest rate dynamics of, of the product. Could you talk through a little bit more how the different rates and the economics of the overall Ave system work, the interest rate, the borrow rate, liquidity reserve rate. Talk, talk about these different rates and, and how the e economy fits together. Yeah, in, in regards to how the economy fits together is more or less what I already explained is there is not really much more complexity. So people deposit, other people uh, borrow from, from, from that capital the that the previous one deposited. And depending how is the, the, the demand, the interest is, is high or, or, or low. No? I think that, that defines pretty, pretty well, like the general, uh, the general economy. And of course, like there is like common pots, let's call it pots for particular currencies. So if everybody interacting with ETH deposits and borrow from, from some place, that is uh, what is called the, the token of ETH, the ETH. When somebody, I don't know, uh, uses 
ARO token, for example, they depositing in a different pot, uh, and so on. And then, uh, the, when it becomes interesting is like and where actually the ABE protocol uh, gets more complex is, is how to connect this, these different pods. And the connection of these pods is with the model of collateralization and, and with borrowing. Because, of course, to deposit, you only need to just put in one pod uh, your, your token and that's it. You don't need to care about anything else. But when you borrow, what happens in the, in the background is that you deposit in one pod first, which is what is going to be your collateral. And most probably you borrow from a different pod. And the other protocol, what it does is that behind the scenes, it, it can determine that this person has this amount of collateral in this pod and is, is borrowing this other token from this other. And the, the percentage of collateralization is correct. So, so I, allow, I allow him to, to take a loan. Apart from that, well, it's more or less what I described, that there is the variable rate, there is basically the percentage that people pay yearly, compounded, of course. Then you have the, the deposit rate, that is what the depositor gets yearly, also compounded. And then you have the, the, the stable rate, that is a bit higher than the variable rate, usually. Uh, but once you take it, even if the variable rate goes above or below, you, you just keep the same for a long period of time, at least. I think that that yeah that describes basically everything. Thanks for that explanation. Maybe we can close off by just talking a little bit about DeFi as a whole. How do you see Ave fitting into DeFi today and in the next five years? I think it's it's, it's quite interesting to see the, like the evolution of of, of Ave since the beginning, and and it kind of represents on, on what can it be in the future. Because if you think about it, like at the beginning, Aave was like a peer-to-peer -peer market. So just connecting people by, but on like one-to-one -one relations. Then Aave became like this, this bigger protocol that just grouped together like people and connect them, those groups, which is what it is the Aave protocol right now. And that is for sure like really, really scalable. And at the moment, like with the introduction of flash loans, with the introduction of other features like the credit delegation and, and so on, uh, with the introduction of the governance, uh, with the introduction of the, of the safety module, like covering potential risk. Now we, we are creating like what we call different, uh, uh, different markets that are just like uh, isolated, um, isolated parts of the protocol that were like the risk is separated from others. What it looks is like it's a app is just a liquidity protocol, we, we could call it. It's just a place where people deposit capital, where it extracts capital also, and uh, to move it around. And just a, a series of rules, in this case defined by smart contracts, that, that, that define how is the behavior of everything, uh, in, like in, in coordination. Huh? So, what I think that will be in the next five years, most probably the, the idea will, will remain the base idea of this like coordination of capital, of, of, of liquidity protocol, because it's, it's something so basic that you, you cannot really like, like innovate so, so much. But what is also pretty clear is that at the same time that we, we, we stay like, the like a community, we stay on the, in the base layer, like of, of this liquidity protocol, 
the protocol will probably go more closer to the to the end users as other platforms uh, build build on top of of, of the other protocol and they, and they allow different ways and like innovative ways of, of connecting with it so how i see it is like um, most probably the other protocol will let's say go mainstream <laughs> as soon as the user experience gets gets improved to connect all the people around the world basically yeah there is plenty of room to to grow in in all the directions do you have any other broader predictions about the Ethereum ecosystem and where things are going? Well, I mean, the Ethereum ecosystem is <laughs> is is quite interesting place to work on because it's uh, it's always changing. New new kind of products appear, like new trends appear. So right now, it's quite critical moment because it's not like back in the days when there were like some some, some kind of like spikes on usage for uh, specific products but right now it seems that like uh, the Ethereum network is is under a stress test because there is a lot of defi applications for example there is a lot of governance framework uh, related applications uh, there is all the thing of the of the nfts uh, that are more closer to to the end user so it's clearly suffering a stress test and is not at the moment like surviving so so well let's say because uh, it's becoming quite expensive to do transactions on ethereum and, and and so on but still like people like really recognize the the big value that is on ethereum that is like for example the security on the network and people use it and it's normal but i think that uh, it's pretty clear that the natural step is uh, the L2 solutions like rollups or like CK technology that will help with the scalability of the network. Because uh, if not, it's pretty clear that the, the network is, is not prepared to, to, to scale in terms of usage by other group of people. So I would say that that is the main, the main trend that, that will be happening during the, I would say, next, during this next year. Like there are a lot of teams out there already working in scaling solutions. And I think there will be even more and more and more. Ernesto, thank you for coming on the show. We didn't even really touch on engineering that much, but we talked about the DeFi lending ecosystem. So that was a useful conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think nowadays, and especially on blockchain, like both engineering and, and, and like the decentralized finance and, and other economic things are, are quite mixed up. So is quite natural to, to talk about that. Thanks.